are listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. The Dilemmas of the Kicker, Part 1 One of the flashiest and most popular parts of the striking martial arts is kicking. When done well, kicking is the human body's equivalent of heavy artillery, powerful enough to break bones, destroy thick joints, or to send an opponent stumbling or sometimes even flying across the room. Kicking, though, can be quite athletically demanding. As a result, a truly skilled kicker can be aesthetically pleasing to watch, and is every bit the artist that a dancer is. But kicking as a practical group of techniques presents several profound dilemmas to the novice striking martial artist. Now I'm using the word dilemma for a reason. One meaning of this word is a situation in which a choice must be made between two or more equally undesirable alternatives. Let's talk about the balance dilemma in kicking. The two undesirable alternatives here for the beginning kicker are 1. To kick with a lot of power, but take a huge risk of falling. Or 2. To kick, but hold back enough power to assure balance, and therefore make the kick less useful, perhaps even less useful than a punch. In normal athletic pursuits, you have two legs upon which to stand, run, jump, or otherwise move around. But in kicking, at least in its fundamental form, you must lift one of those two legs off the ground during a fight and try to maintain dynamic balance while successfully executing a kick while standing on one foot. Let's dig deeper and get really granular. There are three phases to a standing kick. The initiation, the contact or energy transfer, and the recovery. Each of these phases poses its own distinct challenges to your balance. The initiation begins, if that's not redundant, with your structure, which most people would call your stance. Depending on which type of kick you're throwing, you might be standing more sideways to your opponent, a type of stance often called bladed, or you may be squared up to him, as in the Muay Thai kicking stance, or on more rare occasions you might momentarily have your back to him. Any of these orientations could also be while standing on two legs or already balancing on one. But no matter what the orientation, Balance and quick initiation require that you take up a structure with your hips closer to the opponent than your head. When you throw a hard kick, there is one, and sometimes there are two, forces threatening to throw you off balance, or even completely off your feet. First is the linear momentum. This is because of the fact that to kick hard, you need to throw your hips explosively towards the target. 
and that means that a great deal of momentum is generated by the weight of your hips and kicking leg. This momentum tries hard to pull you off your feet, and it takes training to learn how to manage it. The greatest part of doing this is to lower your center of gravity while using your upper body as a counterweight, tilting it back away from the target. The art lies in executing this tilt just enough to do the job. Tilt too little and you fall uncontrollably forward after the kick, leaving you much more vulnerable to counters. Tilt the upper body away too much and you bleed power away from the kick. If your kick is angular, like a round, crescent, or wheel kick, you still have to deal with a certain amount of linear momentum by virtue of thrusting your hips along the proper vector for the kick. But an extra new force called angular momentum is now present, presenting different challenges to your balance than the linear momentum. Angular momentum is a rotating force. A vivid example of this force is the track and field event called the hammer throw. The hammer is actually a 16-pound metal ball connected to a handle by a 3-foot cable. The athlete holds the handle in both hands and begins to swing it in a circle on a vertical plane. Through a few complete circles, he shifts the plane of rotation to diagonal and then to horizontal, and this last change of angle requires him to begin spinning around on his feet in order to maintain the rotation. The accelerating rotation makes the cable and ball extend out horizontally from the athlete before he releases the hammer in an attempt to throw it for maximum distance by translating the angular momentum into linear momentum. Frequently, and especially at high levels, this athlete is a big man, more often than not well over 250 pounds, a man for whom 16 pounds seems to weigh almost nothing. And yet, if you watch the hammer thrower spinning at his fastest, you'll notice that his body is leaning away from the hammer at a noticeable angle, creating a counterweight. Now, why does such a heavy athlete need to lean to create a counterweight for a mere 16 pounds? The fact that the force of the spinning motion causes the weight and cable to extend in a straight horizontal line more than five feet long from the thrower's body means that his arms, the cable and the weight combine to form what the science of physics calls a moment arm. A moment arm is quite literally a force multiplier. It extends out from the axis of rotation, and the farther it extends, the more powerful is the force. Unlike the linear force of throwing your hips and legs at the target when executing a straight kick, in which the weight of all these body parts is added together, with a moment arm in an angular kick, you multiply the weight at the end of the arm, in this case your leg, times the arm's length. That's a huge difference. This difference generates a significantly greater force that requires learning additional technical skill, if you wish to execute athletic motions that have a lot of angular momentum without falling on your ass. And unlike the hammer thrower, the kicker has to learn to do this while standing on one leg. As I mentioned earlier, when you throw a linear kick, the act of properly throwing your hips and leg hard at the target creates a forward momentum that threatens to pull your supporting foot out from under you. As a matter of fact, I tell my students that if you've never fallen down while practicing kicking, you are not yet a real kicker. 
one who has truly explored the limits of his or her power and balance. When executing a linear kicking technique, the muscle contractions that happen in your core and upper body in order to tilt the upper body away from the force of the kick are not overly complicated. But angular kicking has much more challenging counterbalancing skills to learn. You have to learn how to rapidly relax certain core muscles while contracting others, and then to just as rapidly change which core muscles are doing which of these things continuously throughout the course of the rotation. I can tell you from personal experience that this is a skill set that you don't quickly master. Anyway, the simplest and often the best way to start a kick is to take up a stance or structure that already has the hips pushed out towards the opponent. A good measure of this is that your leading hip is closer to your opponent than your head. In Muay Thai, this is called the kicking stance and features the front of the hips thrust forward. When throwing kicks that use more of the muscles of the side and rear of the hips, like the side, hook, and snapping roundhouse kick, your stance will have the side or even the diagonal rear of your hip pushed out towards the opponent. Of course, neither of these two structures lend themselves well to quick access to boxing techniques. But then again, that's not what they are for. This peculiar type of stance is why it's easier to transition from a kick to another kick or from a punch to another punch, than it is to go from a kick to a punch, or from a punch to a kick. By the way, technical skill in these last two transitions is, to me, among the purest expressions of striking skill. The real expression of kickboxing as opposed to just boxing, or just kicking. I find Muay Thai to have a specially effective technology for these transitions, but that must remain a topic for another day. Next time, I'll talk about the challenges that the last two parts of a kick present to the balance of a beginning kicker. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain Podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Martial Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com. <laughs>